Welcome to another season of the Polyvermic Podcast. My name is Lucy Struncová and today's guest is Anato Gray, an American sculptor who creates unbelievable animal sculptures from polymer clay. She picked up sculpting almost five years ago and has combined her loves of photography, art, biology and zoology into a new passion inspired by the natural world and its inhabitants. Hello, Anna. Welcome to the Polymeric Podcast. Hey, Lucy. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to meet you. It's nice to hear your voice. Well, we should say that you are actually a cover star of one of our Polymeric Magazine's issues. And I had to read the article about you again. So I just got to remind myself, what's your art about and how is your journey? And there is a sentence. And you said that that sculpting to me is like being the architect of my own little world. And I love that very much. So do you remember the very first time you sculpt something? I do, but um, I think I was I was either five or six and uh-huh. I sculpted a little horse out of clay when I was in like, I think it was like kindergarten or first grade. Um, and I remember being really excited by it. I think mostly because like, I was so stoked that I could like interact with horses in some way because they're my favorite animal. So I clearly like gravitated towards sculpting a horse and was um, very excited about like getting the final results back from the kiln and just like seeing what I'd made and kind of bringing something to life. Um, but oddly, like as excited as I was as a kid, I I didn't pick clay up again for I think like 20 three more years or something when I was 27. So uh-huh. I had a very, very long hiatus, um, but found my way back to it eventually, which I'm, I'm really excited about because I don't, I don't see that changing anytime soon. When it comes to the material, why polymer clay? Um, to be honest, when I picked it up like a five, like five years ago, more, a little more seriously, I just had some on hand. And it's super accessible. So I love the fact that you don't need to have access to a kiln. You don't need any specialized equipment, really. You can just like, if you have an oven, you can typically like make something. Um, and at the time, I was just like eager to work with my hands and like find a new creative outlet of some kind. I think it was just kind of like ready to like try something new. And it was just available and accessible and kind of had like, no limits, I guess, Fairness. on what you can do with it. Um, so it was just super attractive to me in that way. I was like, it just it just seemed like something you, you can make pretty much anything out of it. And um, yeah, it's it's like anyone can anyone can start. It's super accessible, uh, easy to find, not super expensive. Like if you if I try to sculpt something with like really challenging like. PPE or something really expensive or you need like specialized equipment, it's just not really going to draw me in. It's too, it's like too hard to even get started. So I just sort of dove in because it was like, it was just like a low barrier to entry. Uh And you are inspired by flora and fauna. So was it always like that? Yeah. Yeah. I've always been like a huge animal lover, nature lover. 
Um, I get a lot of my inspiration from the natural world and, and the environment, plants and animals. Um, I've always had a soft spot for animals, so I find myself like just wanting to like explore them more and sort of like shine a light on animals. So I'm curious if I'm right, but I can imagine you going on the walk and just look at all those tiny details and flowers yeah. and little leaves. So is it like that? That's exactly me. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. One of my favorite things to do is like take just like take a nature walk. And um, I go on a walk every day with my dog, Bella. Ella. Uh, we just go for like a little mile walk. And I live in Nashville, which like I live in the city. But luckily, we live in like a place where we're really close to a park. So we just take the same route every day to the park. And um, I honestly like when I let her like loose to run in this like park area, I just find myself like getting drawn into like the tiniest details on like weeds and little flowers. And I don't know, it sounds sort of, I don't know, I'm kind of like a daydreamer in that way, I guess. But I just get uh -huh. really like, like sucked into like how beautiful, like the most minute details can be. Um, and so I kind of like, I mean, you've seen my work, it gets like really detailed and like hyper yeah, like textured and stuff. So yeah, so I feel like that is definitely like present in my work. I definitely pay a lot of attention to like the tiniest details and find a lot of beauty in them. You mentioned that you are going uh, on the same way or the same walk every day. Do you find yourself fascinated by the seasons in your city? I do. Luckily, Nashville has all four seasons to some degree. Yeah. Summer is like definitely the longest and it's it's pretty close to being upon us. It gets really, really hot in here. Uh, but I'm used to that. I'm from the South. So it's like it's in my blood, I guess. But Luckily, yeah, I get to see the seasons change. I see like the fall leaves. I get to see winter. We get snow. Um, I do like to see all the different seasons, but I love spring the most. Uh -huh. um, for me, it's just like a lot of optimism and like looking forward to growth and flowers blooming. And that really inspires me to like sculpt something that's like in my backyard that I can see in, you know, in person. It's really nice to sculpt from life. Uh, but yeah, I just love to see things like grow and change and notice like the differences in, you know, every plant, like throughout the seasons, like they all have something to offer. Like even in the dead of winter, like now all of a sudden you're noticing the bark on this tree that normally you would notice the, the blooms or the leaves or something. And now the bark is standing out because it's like, you can finally see the texture better because all the leaves are out of the way. Uh, yeah, I think if you look for it, you can, you can find beauty and like in every season and, and find something good about it. Mm -hmm. And when you see something inspiring, do you take a little sample to your home so you can have some kind of example you can sculpt with? I'll do, if I do anything, I'll usually just like take a photo of it or a video or something. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes like I'll get inspired by something too big to take home. <laughs> so <laughs> I also want to like, I'd also like to leave it for the next person to see and, you know, to see like on their walk. But um, I definitely take a lot of photos and try to, sculpt from a lot of like photo references in my in my daily lives. Well your sculpting is absolutely incredible and I'm Thank curious you. that you mentioned in the magazine that you are a self-taught and I yep. can't imagine how did you learn all of that just by yourself. Yeah uh, <laughs> it's honestly literally just been trial and error and like persistence to be honest a lot of patience like seeing what's possible that other people have made, like seeing the results other people can achieve. I'm like, why not me? Like I should just keep trying. And um, it's a result of sculpting literally almost every single day for the past five 
or so years um, and getting frustrated along the way because like at times it would have been a lot easier to have someone like teach me so I didn't make the mistake myself. But, um, you know, making a mistake to yourself is definitely a good way to learn. I've had to throw a sculpture away before because I like it was early on, but like I tried to make a zebra that was like standing on its like front legs and like bucking into the air. And I got very ambitious with it. And it was like, I just started off with everything wrong. So I learned the hard way how to like, how to like take, take my time, like approach a subject um, with like as much, you know, knowledge as possible. Like I've just, I've just kind of learned like through trial and error, just like through pushing clay around until it stops looking wrong. Basically, that's kind of my, that's been my approach recently. Um, but yeah, it's all just been practice and more practice. What do you enjoy yeah. the most about the process of sculpting? Oh my God. That's tough because I like a lot of it. I mean, there's, there's so much to love, but um, I think when I'm finally, like, I really love to work on the face of a new animal uh -huh. sculpture because I get to, I get to like, uh, imbue some emotion and like feel like I'm kind of bringing something to life and I don't know I just feel like I'm I don't know I just feel like I'm creating something like no one's ever seen before like I'm creating like a new life in a way and I just love to like get that emotion right on the face like that's my favorite part is like finally getting to the point where it like oh it looks like a bear now it looks like a peacock now it looks like the animal I've been trying to make for so many weeks and you finally get that like that look right. I love that feeling. I think if you agree with me that creating sometimes for weeks in your studio can get a little bit lonely because yeah. you speak a lot of time with yourself. So how do you yeah. occupy yourself while sculpting? Do you listen to your music, maybe some podcasts or movies? Yes, I actually listen to podcasts all the time. So it's super cool uh -huh. to be on a podcast. <laughs> I've never been on a podcast before, but... I have listened to like thousands of hours of pods. I listen to um, a lot of political podcasts, a lot of like true crime podcasts uh -huh. and like uh, comedic podcasts. Those are fun. Uh, things that just like kind of pass the time and like they like these like people sort of, I don't know, it sounds silly, but they kind of like become your friends, like part of yeah. your your daily life. Like they're just sort of like speaking, um, you know, to you while like you're your life is like happening and so it's a it's a nice way to like just pass the time but so I mostly listen to podcasts I don't listen to music a ton actually uh -huh. when I'm sculpting um I love music but I find that like when I'm listening to podcasts or stories or something like time just slips away a little bit easier yeah. which is kind of nice um and then I'll, I also watch like I like to find new shows new tv shows and movies um, so I just recently started watching this brand new one called Prehistoric Planet. Have you heard of mm -hmm. it? No, it's that on, pretty cool. It's on Apple TV. It just came out on Monday. Uh -huh. And as like a nature animal lover, it's super cool. It's narrated by David Attenborough. Um, yeah. He's done like all the, he's all my the favorite planet one. stuff. Yeah. 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 He's amazing. So it's this like really well done, like documentary, animal documentary style show of um dinosaurs it's all done like you know cgi like animation uh -huh. and stuff but it looks incredibly real Completely and yeah 
it's crazy. So wow, yeah, that's been that's been fun. I just kind of have like dinosaurs like roaring in the background as I'm like sculpting away at uh-huh. my bear or whatever. Um, so yeah, movies, TV shows, podcasts, mostly some music. Yeah, and also my cat. My cat keeps me company a lot. Her and her and my dog. Yeah, we mentioned David Attenborough, and one of his previous movies was about saving the life on the planet. On the planet. Yeah. So I'm curious when it comes to the polymeric clay and a lot of artists and people complain that it's just plastic material. How do you deal with that? That's a really good question. Um, honestly, I don't know. I hope my other actions can like offset whatever like downside polymer clay has to some degree. Um, I'm definitely really conscious of my like impact on the environment and take it really seriously. Um, I don't think like the the major issue of climate change will be solved by people like not creating art from polymer clay because I mean that must just be such a small drop in the bucket compared to literally everything else that we're doing wrong. Um, and so I really do I really do try to like take my like behavior seriously as far as like the planet is concerned. So um, I don't eat meat for environmental reasons and ethical reasons because it's um, terrible for the planet. And I barely drive my car, luckily, because I mostly work from home. But I also have another job um, that I have to only drive like a mile for. But yeah, it's it's a tough, it's a kind of a tough pill to swallow. Like I don't want to be negative toward the environment in, it, in any way, but just simply existing means you're going to have a some kind of impact on the planet, some kind of carbon footprint. Um, but to be honest, I need to learn more about polymer clay's impact before I can like answer that more seriously as far as like how how big of a, a deal it is, I suppose. Yeah. Well, you know, before you start searching for some information, there are not many. So yeah. we discussed that a lot in our community and it was just like, at the end, we realized that if we are able to use the scrap clay and somehow figure out how to just not uh, put to the trash bin the clay we don't use. There are so many artists using different kind of materials that are like plastic and it's okay. But yeah. in some way, the polymer clay, there is like the polymer word as a part of it. So kind of makes it much worse than the rest of the art materials. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So in the end, I don't know. I think if we are just careful about what we work with and what we put in the trash bin, I mean, yeah. like your artwork is incredible and I can imagine that you are really careful about everything you do and you work with. Yeah, I don't have a lot of ways. Like I even have like a little bin for like scrap pieces of like wire that I use in uh-huh. the armature so I can use them later. Even like clay that I the like air dry clay that I use that was like scrap I'll put that into like the bulk of the uh-huh. next sculpture I'm gonna work on where I need to bulk it out that kind of thing I try not to waste a lot um also hopefully like the subject material like helps shine a light just on animals like and how they're worth saving uh-huh. and how they're worth paying attention to and like hopefully that offsets the impact of polymer clay um whatever it is but I think like human history tells us that we're not gonna solve this problem by like consuming fewer resources like it's just it's not going to happen that way i mean we need to like solve it through innovation and um technological advancements so hopefully we can come up with something to yeah. to like figure out how to get rid of the you know all the plastics in the world but i think i think people like us using polymer clay are probably just yeah a drop in the bucket but 
Yeah, but it's kind of crazy, right? That, well, I'm the same person in the way that I don't eat meat and others. And then you realize that you do some kind of little steps to make the planet and everything better. And then you watch uh, a movie or a document from David Attenberg or others and you feel kind of despair that there are so many yeah. big things happening and you are kind of, you have no possibility to influence that in some bigger way. It is really overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to swallow sometimes like how many issues there are. And for me, climate change is uh, the biggest issue, like existential crisis, I think, that humanity is facing. Um, but the exciting thing is like, I, I think it's really easy to get overwhelmed and disheartened by it. But I think it's really important to like come away from these conversations with like an optimistic viewpoint because we we know what to do. Like we do have solutions to this problem. Part of the problem is people just like in denial about it even existing, which is pretty hard to handle. But um, I think that we know what we have to do. Like we have some scientific advancements that have been made. Like we know we need to invest in wind and solar energy, nuclear energy. We need to um, get uh, clean meat like so that we don't have like animal agriculture anymore. That's one of the biggest uh, contributors to um, global greenhouse gas emissions. Um, we need to plant a like trillion trees. We need to do all these things. And we know that. But uh, so we have we have solutions to the problem. We're just not we're just not like enacting them. But how much uh, I, I get very excited that we we do know what to do. Like it's just a matter of like doing it. So yeah. I think it's good to be optimistic because if you're pessimistic, no one wants to even start to try because uh, it's sad. No one wants to like live in a dying world. <laughs> it's not not an exciting prospect for anybody. Yeah. Well, we have to say that all those small little things that we can do on our side matter as well. So for example, what we're trying to do, as I love the product designing and packaging and everything, I'm just trying to figure out how to use no plastic or at least less plastic oh. if possible. And the problem is that everything is like double more expensive than if you were to use yeah. the plastic. So that's kind of like scary at the first, but it's just... I'm trying to find a solution with our every little product. So okay. instead of just like a plastic packet, we are using a paper envelope and everything. But like it takes much more time and the price is totally different. So yeah. in the end, yeah, I, I guess we have to choose what's more important. If just money and earning something or yeah. the planet and everything that we can well, do for that. Yeah. When the planet's gone, the money won't really matter. So I think the uh, yeah. the answer is clear. But in the meantime, it's hard to get people to like switch over because it affects your bottom line. I I get it. Like whenever I send out a sculpture, it's um, there is some plastic involved just because I have to. I like to I like lightly cushion the most fragile parts of the sculpture uh -huh. with some um, bubble wrap. But like yeah. it's like post consumer recycled bubble wrap to some degrees. Like sort of helpful i guess but then i use um like the styrofoam peanuts but the ones that are made out of like vegetables so uh -huh, you can uh -huh. um dissolve them, them in the water. water yeah 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 so i use mostly that and then cardboard box so that's not terrible that's cool. but that's nice. still i use plastic but um try to be cognizant of that hopefully i can find like an alternative that works uh -huh. as well and do you create your sculptures more like on commission or mostly for you and you choose the topic as you want. Um, I have been mostly doing commissions recently. At first, when I started, the first like the first two, I think two years of sculpting was just me 
like after my like full-time job, uh, just like sculpting for a few hours at a time on things I wanted to make that still live in my house. Cause like, they're not like, they're not up to my standards. Like I don't want to sell them cause they're just, they were like practice runs basically on the like way to get where I am now. Um, but I got my first commission, I think about two, yeah, two years into my like sculpting journey. And then since then it's mostly been commissions unless I have like some downtime between commissions and then I'll just create something I want to make um, with the intention of selling that. But it's nice to have commissions because like you just have a guaranteed sale. It's like you got to pay your bills. It's really like important to like have those uh-huh. lined up. Yeah. But so mostly commissions for the last three years. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned before that you are having a second job. So would you be open to discuss how is the life of the artist in USA these days? Sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yes. Life of an artist in the USA. Uh, well, my other job is um, right now it's part time. It was full time until like the beginning uh-huh. of this year. Um, but I'm a photographer at a brewery here in uh-huh. town um, that my husband and I and our friends own together. So luckily, it's like very flexible because I get Let's to like, like, yeah, help like it helps me like you know make my own hours and my own schedule and stuff. So very flexible. Um, but it does make it hard like for the majority of the time i was working at um the brewery for you know full time like 35 40 hours a week and then would come home and um you know you have all this other stuff to do in your life take care of the pets take care of the home like make dinner like do all these things you gotta like go to the gym all this stuff and then now it's like 9 p.m um and you want to get some sculpting in so you sculpt until like 11 or midnight and it gets kind of exhausting and it gets it like makes it hard to stay i don't know as like inspired i suppose in your like creations because you're just you're tired like you've been working your whole day at like another job you've been like taking care of your other regular life stuff um so it makes it a little bit tough to stay focused. But luckily, recently, I've been part-time at the brewery and, like, part-time at my sculpting gig. So I can have, like, full days now where I get to, like, sit down for, you know, eight hours uh-huh. and, like, knock some things out. So that's been really helpful. But that's still a new thing. I'm still, like, figuring out how that schedule works out and, like, finding discipline and, like, figuring out how to, like, structure yeah. things well. Yeah, yeah. But it's hard. It's a lot of, like, juggling, a lot of a lot of hats to wear. And can you imagine yourself doing just uh, sculpting as a full-time job? Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> that, because oh, it's yeah, like a yeah. lot of sitting on one place and, you know, like I can imagine that as a photographer, you are moving more because, you know, I'm working on my notebook most of the day and I can feel myself how hard is it on my body that I'm just sitting and sitting and I'm still not yeah. finished with the to-do list. I feel you. I think that's important to to note because like I definitely can see myself working full time sculpting. That's my goal in the next three to five months is to like just uh-huh. um like kind of remove myself from the brewery and just sculpt full time. Um but I can also see like on the days where I'm just sculpting all day, it does get like a little bit lonely. It's like you've been sitting all day, but that's why um I'm also like into fitness and try to like make it a priority to like get some like cardio in like get outside like again like the walk I take every day just like take breaks throughout the day um try I try to like have like solid chunks of like two hours where like I get some 
serious sculpting done, like take a little break for 20 minutes, like go back for two more hours, like take a break, like, you know, kind of like go back and forth and Uh um, not like, I don't want to like slave away over the drafting table because it's like, that'll get really, that'll get really old (laughs) really fast. Um, It's like anything. I mean, even at the the job at the brewery, like I'm up and down, I'm like doing X, Y, Z. So um, things move quickly and like time goes by fast. And yeah, I think you have to do that in any job. Like you have to yeah, find ways to like make it fun and and um, keep it keep it exciting and energetic. Uh-huh. And do you know how much time do you spend working on one sculpture in average? No. Uh, it depends on if they have hair or not because those <laughs> always take so long. But I don't know if you saw the monkey I did recently, but that one was about three. I think it was about three hundred hours. I don't like. I don't time it or anything, but like uh-huh. uh, for a best estimate, I mean, it took a few months of working for like every single day for like a few hours after work. Um, uh-huh. And that comes out to be about 300 hours. Yeah. Yeah. So do you prefer to work on one sculpture or are there more sculptures on the table unfinished? Uh, I mostly work on one at a time, but I kind of want to get to where I can work on like a few different ones at a time because that's another way I think to like keep things exciting and engaging because every sculpture I've made I always run into like some problem like I have to solve a problem like how do I get this to balance or how do I get this like composition or how do I get this texture or something so while I'm maybe like working through that in my head I can like start working on like something else or like start jumping into like the you know detail on like a snake or whatever else I'm trying to make um so honestly, I think that's something I need to work on is like have a few different projects on my table at once. So I'm not bored with one of them or I'm not stuck on one of them, basically. Yeah, I need to I need to do that. Well, I'm curious about your drivings. Do you keep some of them uh, or do you keep some notebook with your ideas? Or future? My, oh, drawings? Uh-huh. Uh, I'm not good at drawing, but that's only because nope. I like, don't practice or anything. <laughs> but um. I don't really sketch out my ideas. I typically spend like a like a week or two um, whenever I get a new commission. I spend a little bit of time like looking at a bunch of photos and videos of that subject and coming up with like, honestly, it's mostly just in my head. Uh-huh. Um, I kind of like just move things around in my head a lot and like play with different compositions in my head until I sort of like lean really heavily into one of those ideas. Um, either because I just like think the composition will look beautiful or I think it's like achievable or whatever. Um, so I don't really sketch things out. I have a few times for like really complicated, weird ideas, but I find that it hasn't really helped. I don't think I've sketched an idea in like, I don't know, like a year or something. Mm-hmm. And yeah. do you keep track with some new ideas that just comes to your mind? Yes, um, I have like a notes app that I'll just uh-huh. jot down ideas. Um, if I get inspired by something, I'll I'll just put that in there, just like a quick note or something. It's also where I keep a list of all my titles. So all my sculptures have um, titles that I feel like fit them, but they're all from this like kind of master list that I've just come up with through um, like music and like books and things that I hear like in my everyday like I'll just hear a phrase that like like really sticks with me and becomes really meaningful to me or it's if a title of a song or lyrics from a song and I hear it and I'm like oh that would be like 
perfect for this sculpture. So I just have a big long list of names and ideas. So somehow I got just the idea if you are a fan of Avatar movie and if you get some inspiration from such kind of movies like that. I love that. I love that a lot. Yeah, I love Avatar. Um, haven't seen it in a long time. But when it came out, it was like, I remember how striking and and just like amazing that movie was. Uh, that's that's good to hear too, because it's a very like surreal movie with like weird animals and plants and stuff. And like, um, you know, they're like kind of like, like they flow into each other a little bit. Um, I've also heard like people have said my sculptures remind them of, have you seen the movie Annihilation? No, probably not. Natalie Portman. Yeah, you should watch it. Um, okay. People have said they remind, uh, the sculptures remind them of that movie because like in the movie, the animals like take on their surroundings uh-huh. um, where they like incorporate like flowers into their antlers and like, wow. weird stuff like that. Yeah, it's a really visually like really cool movie. Um, uh-huh. But similar to Avatar in that way, like the visuals are just like like vibrant and like cool, weird animals. Yeah. Because you basically basically create another character and have you ever came to your mind an idea that those characters could be something else such as merchandise or poster something like that oh i thought about it because like i'm not great at marketing myself and like selling myself oh, if you look at my social media it's <laughs> uh it's sparse <laughs> so um i would like i mean I feel like I've been putting that off a little bit until I have more time to like really focus on it and like uh-huh. when I can go like full time and structure my schedule out a little bit better uh-huh. uh, to like have days where I'm just like figuring out how to um, schedule out my social media posts, like how to, you know, generate more income basically. And yeah, making like prints is one of the things I would like to do Um because my sculptures are like, you know, they're expensive because they take so long and they're so detailed, but I know that other people would like to have them in some way. So I think of like a nice quality print of one of them would be really cool. Um, I've seen a lot of people have success with like YouTube videos and generating income from that. Um, I have never done that before. I don't know how I would approach that because I've seen a lot of people do that with like sculptures that take, you know, like, 15 or 20 hours instead of like 300 hours and like I'm not sure exactly how that would look or how that would work but um it's something I'm interested in and exploring but yeah that's on the to-do list is like find other avenues aside from just the sculpture itself to like generate income Mm -hmm. when it comes to sharing your knowledge do you have any plans like being a teacher one day or perhaps do more tutorials because I remember that you did the tutorial for the magazine and yeah, it was a wonderful project that you share with our readers. So do you plan something like that? Perhaps like another income? I would entertain that idea. I have no idea what that would look like, though. Um, I'm not opposed to it at all. I feel like it'd be really fun to teach um, sculpting like classes or seminars or something. I just don't know exactly what that would look like because they take so long. I wonder if that would just be like, here's how to sculpt like you know, like a dogwood flower or a goldfish like I did for the magazine. Um, it's something I would like be interested in. I've heard from my mom whenever I've like tried to teach her stuff about like the computer. <laughs> She's always like, oh, you're so patient. You'd be such a good teacher. So I'm not opposed to it. I just don't know what that would look like yet. Yeah. When it comes to like the community of polymer clay, they are usually, or before the pandemic, it was much more easier 
But when it came to the teachers, there were like 20, 30 people traveling around the world and teaching the projects of polymer clay. So as a job, it seems to be the best of both worlds because you kind of get to meet other people, you can know the culture, eat some special food at that place and others, yeah. and then, you know, teach your skills and share that with others. So if you would be interested in that, I would love to invite you to one of our future events. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It would be awesome to read face to face again and share that would be great yeah Yeah. i think i think zoom has been awesome and it's definitely it's helped a lot throughout the pandemic but it's still like you're missing like a little bit of a a piece there you know it's always nice to see people in person especially teaching like you you know yeah being physically present is is a big part of it but um that's awesome i would love to be involved in some capacity that sounds amazing Mm -hmm. yeah and it's wonderful to meet so many new people during that because it just opens the world. And I had uh, one interview today and I was just saying to the lady that it's so wonderful that we can at least meet via Zoom because yeah. it makes the day totally different. I don't know whether you feel the same that when you are working on something and you are still alone, it's just kind of strange sometimes. And then when you talk to someone about the very same topic, it just makes your day immediately better that it's just yeah. something that you can share with others. I think it's nice. It brightens up the day. I do feel like I do pretty well with solitude, like being alone. It's Uh like not a problem to me. So at the beginning of the pandemic, I was actually like, I can manage. But after like, after like a few months, I was like, all right, I miss (laughs) people now, which like I'm, I'm an introvert. So it it was kind of a weird feeling for me to like crave, like Uh just being around a ton of people. Um, So that was a, that was a weird feeling, but yeah, obviously, like, we're all social animals. Like, we need to be around other humans, and it's healthy to, to like, meet new people and, yeah, and, like, surround yourself with, like, people in your community. Um, so I would I would love to do that. I would look forward to that. And do you feel that the pandemic and everything else kind of affected your artwork as well? Yeah, um, in kind of a good way, though, because, uh-huh. like I said, the other job is a um, brewery, and people weren't allowed to like go to bars or really go out or anything. So there was like a ton of uncertainty um, with that industry and with that job and everything's great now. But at the time I was like, well, I'll just like dive headfirst into sculpture. Um, So I created an LLC in 2020 and like really got serious about it and um, converted like an unused bedroom in my house to be my, my art studio and like made it like, a legitimate thing so in a way it was like a really positive silver lining Uh that i was like took it more seriously and was able to honestly like dedicate a lot more time to my art um so it changed yeah it changed a lot for me in that way is there something that you do in order to improve your skills do you read some books or maybe are you going to sculpting books or something that can inspire you yeah, um, honestly, seeing other people's art is really inspiring. Right. Um, I love to see, and it's not just art, it's just like, I feel like you can get inspiration from like anything in the world, really. So it's just, um, it's a combination of a lot of things. I think it's just like, pra- I mean, mostly I'm improving through practice, like through sculpting every single day. Like, I don't think I, I don't think anyone can get like, proficient at anything if they don't actually like sit down and like put uh-huh. in the time so most of it's just like 
like pushing through and like doing a lot of sculpting and like practicing all of the time. Um, but also like knowing when to like take breaks and like get out there and um, how those breaks can like inspire you and like reinvigorate you and like um, kind of put you on like a path toward like, I don't know, something something new in your own work. You can get inspired by like fashion and like the textures you see in like a dress or something. Um, you can get inspired from like your daily walk or whatever. Um, but yeah, I just try to improve through mostly just like practicing, trying new things. Um, I do try to like, I, I've been mostly sticking to one type of clay recently, but I do like to try new materials and new techniques, like new tools, that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, experimentation, practice. And do you sculpt from one color's clay or do you use different colors? Of I clay? just do one color. Yeah. I feel like what, yeah, I don't think I've, yeah. I don't think I've tried sculpting with colored clay before. I feel like that'd be kind of distracting. And then you don't get to like change your mind. <laughs> really? Yes. Um, so I like to sculpt with like a, it's like a sort of fleshy white color. Um, and then I paint it with um, either acrylic paint or acrylic ink or um, raw pigment powder or uh -huh. a combination of all three, actually. How big is yeah. your oven for baking? Uh, it is honestly not that big, which uh -huh. sort of sucks. Um, I sure. dream of having like a big like yeah. giant oven one day because it, it limits me a little bit. Um, I've I've actually baked something bigger than the oven before. I just had to do it in like two phases and it's like a like a snake uh -huh. that's like separated in the middle but um anyway it's just like a regular american sized like <laughs> kitchen oven and i don't know it's not huge i i have to like measure out the interior um i think it's i think i have like i think i have like 14 inches like height wise to work with uh -huh. um so sometimes i can i mean i can make sculptures taller than that if like the taller detail is like sculpted separately and then like inserted basically into like the finished piece i i can do it like that but yeah i'm a little bit limited there do you bake the sculpture multiple times because yes usually yes yeah yeah um mostly because i i the polymer clay i use like i like to solidify the um, progress i've made so far because uh -huh. like they take you know take, like three months i don't want to have this malleable sculpture sitting on my table that can like fall over and then all of a sudden like the face is squished uh -huh. so as soon as i'm done with like the face or some of the hair texture or something important i'll pop it in the oven for as long uh -huh. as needed and like then i'm like good it's stable it's sturdy it's cured and i can like keep adding clay and bake that again and uh -huh. luckily the clay i use is really forgiving in that way and it's not like it doesn't make it brittle. It doesn't like like crack or mess it up if you bake yeah. it more than once. I assume you work yeah. with Cosclay, right? I do. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You can mention that it's not a problem. Yeah. Yeah. It's Cosclay is amazing. I mean, it's like uh, I'm I'm glad that someone invented it because uh, it's really helpful, especially for like the tiny hairs that I have. Like they uh -huh. still are like flexible after the cure. Yep. They're not gonna snap off or something. Um, but I don't only use Cosclay. I use um, two other air dry clays one is like uh -huh. an epoxy clay which is great um for i like to use that for like uh really like rigid parts of the structure like for like the legs or something that i need to be really really rigid it's kind of like cures to like a concrete feel um it's a pretty interesting clay 
Um, and then I use this other air dry clay. It's like, I think it's like a polyform cold um, porcelain or something like that. And it's, it's cool because it has kind of a mind of its own, which is really fun. And it sort of forces you to like, just like be okay with like the textures you're getting and commit like immediately because it dries in like 10 minutes. Like it has a really short working time. So that makes it kind of hard, um, especially for me, because I tend to like really f like fiddle with details until like I think they're like exactly how I want them. So with this like air dry clay, that's like it's just done in 10 minutes. Like you got to like you got to go fast and you have to be OK with it. But it's sort of like it just kind of takes all the mind of its own in a fun way. So a combination of those three is usually that's I think those are the only three I use right now. Well, I see a lot of people working with silicone and creating molds. So they can replicate something that they sculpt. So what do you think about it? Do you feel that this is more like cheating or is it still appropriate? No, I don't think that's cheating at all. I don't think I would do it just because like, I don't know. I've always sort of built my sculptures as like one of a kind. Uh -huh. And um, I just, that's just how I like to do it. I find that to be really special. Um, but I, I totally get that. I think that's like a really great way to like generate revenue like you have all, all of a sudden like a ton more sculptures to sell so that's super cool um I don't have any idea how that would work with mine I don't know if that would work well or not because there's so sure. many it's maybe more about I don't know bars yeah yeah I don't know if it would work that well but um I just don't think I'm interested in like replicating them I'd rather just like create a brand new thing that sure. no one else has Imagine that you just finish a sculpture and you have to send it away to the customer. So how do you feel in that moment? Oh, it's always bittersweet. Um, I always like, I usually keep the sculpture on my, you know, bookshelf or something for like, maybe like one week until uh -huh. I send it out. So I can just like have it for like a little bit of time. But I've also, you know, I've gotten to know it or whatever for the last sometimes like three or four months. So by the time I'm like ready to ship it out when it's done, I'm like, it's a, it's like a happy send off. Um, they're always going to good homes and it's really cool to see where they end up. Um, sometimes they end up in like really appropriate, like geographical places. Like I have a polar bear that lives in Sweden now. Uh -huh. um, I have a bison in Denver and like, that's always really nice to know that like the, the um, collector loves it and like they get to, you know, they'll send you pictures of it in like its final place and. Um, so that's really rewarding, but it's always a little hard. It's a little scary too. You know, it's like you've worked on it for so long and it's like, I've never had issues in, uh, shipping, but I'm always worried. Like it, something could go wrong. Like the post office could lose it or something, you know, all that work is gone. But, um, ultimately it's, it's a good day. I'm usually, I'm usually happy to send it out. With the shipping is just tricky. You never know. They're like, packages lost and sometimes. Yeah. The delivery and everything, it's kind of, I'm, oh, I'm yeah. sure all, they know what's inside. We've seen the videos of, you know, FedEx just like yeah. hurling a box on the steps and I'm like, oh my God. So I basically pack my sculptures like they're going to be thrown down a flight of stairs because like they might be. Um, I put nice little fragile stickers on them that are like, please and thank you. And, um, the post office kind of knows me now. Every time I go and drop it off. At uh, the post office, I'm like, just try to give this one a smooth send off or whatever. But um, that's that's usually what I that's usually what I use is the U.S. Postal Service because they 
um, someone I actually did like before I sent my first sculpture out, I did some research into like who of the three main carriers in the US, like who's the gentlest. And someone actually sent like a GPS tracker that could measure like impact um, and like speed and everything throughout the shipment process. And That's cool. the postal service came back as like far and away the most gentle, like by far. Um, uh-huh. They got to the destination with like a lot less like, like shaking and like speed changes uh-huh. and like impact or whatever. So I just, you know, I just was like, I hope this article is right and not paid for it by the U.S. Postal Service. Um, but it's always been fine. So yeah. it's yeah. incredible when, for example, I just received a package from UK. It was sent like three days ago since I, re- when I received it and the package looks like that it's been on the track somewhere for a um, year. So it's like, oh no. my God, how that's even possible. That's something I don't can know. It's I crazy. Don't. Sometimes when yeah. we ship something to the US, uh, the person on the other side receives a package covered with white paint. So we were like, what oh. this? Like it just got inside what? also. So we were lucky that we packed individually also the pieces inside but you never know oh what's my going God. to happen yeah it makes you wonder like what does the yeah. like what does the back end look like what are they doing yeah but i'm happy that we don't see that kind of yeah yeah, yeah. they just have millions of packages like asked they're just like you know they got to get them out the door fast so i think um, the incentives are a little bit maybe like not in line with having a really smooth shipment but uh um, yeah. it's just all the more reason to pack it well i put it inside of a large box surrounded by all the like packing materials I mentioned, and then I put that box inside of another box. So uh-huh. it's like, you know, you can destroy anything. Like you can destroy anything yeah. if you want to, but you know, I think it's the pretty safe unless like a forklift just like pierces it yeah. or something terrible. But yeah, fingers crossed. I don't have that happen ever. Well, we also have to mention that as a society, I feel like we are demanding a lot and. We just expect everything to be faster, better, bigger. Uh-huh. So with that there are just some issues going as well. Yeah. With Amazon, everyone's like, why isn't it here? It's been an hour. My package hasn't yes. arrived yet. Yeah. 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 We're spoiled now. Yeah. So how many commissions do you have a year? Uh, more now that I've been able to like dedicate more time to it, but um, typically about like five or so. Uh-huh. Yeah. And you work only on the commissions or do you sometimes feel that it's time to create something for you as well? Yeah, I do both. Um, so recently I've been creating like in between commissions or like kind of when I'm like kind of what I was saying earlier, when I'm stuck on something, uh, I have been trying to like have another piece to work on. So that like secondary piece has recently been um, like gifts for people in my life that have been like wanting a sculpture for a while. Mm-hmm. So um I gifted my parents um, a sculpture like very early on in my like foray into sculpting. Um, and now I have to take care of both of my sisters because they've been like, <laughs> they've been wanting sculptures for years now. So I am going to be jumping into their gifts soon. Um, and then these spoon bills right here, this uh-huh. is this is a gift for amazing. a family friend. Thanks. Uh-huh. Um, so that is something I just was kind of like working on in between commissions, like at the same time as a commission. Um, so that's going to be a gift for someone else. So like, those are both kind of like for me and for other people, but not really commissions. So a little bit, yeah, a little bit of both. It's, it's like mostly commissions with like gifts basically sprinkled in between. Uh-huh. 
Um, but I've made a few things that like didn't have that work commissioned, but still live with me. So um, I'm happy to have them like stick around for a while until uh -huh. I sell them. But I still have the uh, the elephant and the moose and the peacocks. They're all hanging out in my house. So when it comes to smaller artwork, do you feel that there might be a way to create some things as well? I actually love creating small things. Like, I mean, they're, my sculptures are like super detailed because I love to make them like hyper detailed so that like the viewer never kind of gets bored of looking uh -huh. at them. It's almost like, you know, it doesn't, I don't know. I don't want my art to get stale, but um, I, that's why I feel like if you look at it every now and then, like you might still find something you haven't noticed before. So yeah, like the smaller the detail, the better, in my opinion. That's why like all the tiny scales on the fish or like the tiny feather detail on like a little bird. And that, that excites me because it's almost That's like wonderful. pushing. Yeah. yeah, it's like pushing the limits of both like the clay and what it can handle and hold up to and also myself and like my eyesight <laughs> because I'm like using a magnifying glass and like using tiny little, like I use like a little sewing needle to like get the tiniest detail. Um, so yeah, it's just like another challenge. I actually really love to do the tiniest little minute details. Yeah. And what about other artists? Is there someone that you are inspired by and you love his or her artwork? Yes. Um, people who have seen my art have sometimes mentioned it reminds them of Ellen Jewett. Uh -huh. um, she is my like favorite artist. She's a huge inspiration and... Um, seeing what she's been capable of has been super inspiring. I love to see her work. And I also, <laughs> I also like get frustrated when I see her work. So I'm like, oh my God, she's so damn good. Um, <laughs> so she's one of my favorites. Um, I love her sculptures. There's so many people I follow that like, that show up in my feed that are just like, how do they do it? And um, I just try to like, try to be, you know, as good as them in some, in some way. But a lot of it's like, um, Illustrators, like actually the stuff behind me, this is Christina Ambrosic. I think it's how you say her last name. She makes drawings that remind me of like Ellen Jewett sculptures, like they're, you know, plants and animals kind of together and really like ethereal and kind of like delicate looking. So her stuff is really inspiring. Uh, yeah, those, they're probably two of my favorites. I have a bunch though. It's hard to remember it at all. I have to ask about your dreams because when it comes to the topic that you cover from Polyrigley, it's just, I'm curious if when you are sleeping, do you get some kind of dreams about similar topics like a fantasy and things like that? I have weird dreams and to be honest, I don't remember them in vivid detail. Uh -huh. um, I have, yeah, I always have really strange dreams, but I've never dreamt like in sculptures. I've never dreamt like a sculpture uh -huh. idea. I mostly just like work through my sculpture ideas in waking life, just like on the treadmill or something. And I just like think through different like, you know, deviations of a subject or something. I wish I dreamt in sculptures. That would be really cool. And I'm sure I could come up with something like more surreal if I could do that. But maybe, uh, maybe one day, I don't know, that'd be great. Well, it's fascinating what you get actually create just with a few blocks of clay it's just like it fascinates yeah. me you know it's just incredible how there are so many artists working with polaroid clay and we all start with the very same base just like a few blocks of clay and the yes. results are completely different so it's just that's incredible yeah like the style and everything that comes to to the artwork and presents the author 
Yeah, that's why honestly, like finding your magazine was so cool because of what you just said. Like we all have the same building blocks and like look at the variation. Like you can do, you can pretty much build like anything with polymer clay. It's just like an endless like possibilities tool. And that's why it's so attractive to me as like something to work with. I mean, you don't, Uh the limitations you put on it are only the ones that are in your mind basically. Um, Yeah, I love that. I love that about it. Was it a surprise for you when you opened the magazine and you saw like different artists doing totally different art for it? Yeah. 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 I mean, like it's everything was so different and so inspiring in that way because, you know, sometimes like I personally feel sometimes like I get stuck in a rut or like I don't feel like I'm progressing enough or something. And then you see someone else creating something so incredible, like different from you. And it's like inspiring. So, um, yeah, going through the magazine was like a huge, that was like a huge aspect of it was just uh-huh. seeing what else is possible. Um, like I for, I actually forget the artist's name in the same issue as mine. He makes like, they look like they're made out of metal, but he uses uh-huh. polymer clay. He's, I think he's a German artist. I saw his work and I was like, how is he doing this out of clay? Um, I follow him on Instagram now, but I just forget his handle. You mean uh, George Dinkel? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I saw his and I was like, how? Yeah. Oh my God, so cool. And he is a photographer as well. He works as a photographer. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that stuff was really cool. And that's like another important reason to like, kind of like zoom out of your own work and like Uh um, see what other people are doing because it gets kind of, I don't know, tired if you're just like stuck in your own world, basically. Yeah, that's true. Well, for that reason, I'm very happy that we had a chance to meet you know it's always totally different experiences it's so nice i think also for our listeners would you have any kind of advice for those who just opened their first block of polymer clay and they would love to sculpt from it oh sure um like dive in uh Uh honestly like it sounds simple but um just get started like don't take too much time like preparing you know preparing all the things you think you need to have prepared, like learning everything you think you need to know, because that knowledge is going to come from just like doing it and like just trying it. So um, don't hesitate to like dive in and don't hesitate to make mistakes because honestly, that's one of the best ways to learn. And don't beat yourself up when you get it wrong because it happens to everyone. You know, we all start without any knowledge of the, of the material. Um, It just comes with a lot of time and a lot of practice. And I would also say, there's going to be a lot of times or days where you feel like you're not progressing or you feel like you're failing and you just have to keep pushing through until you get it right. Because like I've, I've been there. I still have those moments. I have them like relatively often when I'm trying to solve a problem and the only way to solve it is like just to keep going, like keep trying um, and you'll get there. Wow. Thank you so much. Thank you for having the time today. And I do hope that one day we will be able to meet face to face. And that would be wonderful. Have some fun. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun.